Hello and welcome to On The Stool. Boy, am I excited about launching this one. Now, just as an intro, I would like to say uh, that usually after an interview, uh, what I do is I, you know, close my laptop, walk to the kitchen and make myself a soothing cup of buckwheat tea. And I clap myself on the shoulder a little bit. Now, after this particular interview, I ended up spending 50 pounds on chocolate. Um, And I just want to make it clear, you know, it was one of those places where you get to pick the chocolates and they put them all in a box and they've got like swirls of marzipan and golden dust on them. And it's a pound for one piece, right? Or, Or like a pound 40 for one piece of, of, of chocolate. Um, so when you're eating it, on top of being sad, uh, you're also uh, kind of filled with the existential angst of the fact that you just spent a pound on a single uh, mouthful of chocolate. So it's a lot to grapple with. Um, that's all I'm saying. And I suppose it was a difficult interview. Um, and I'll be honest with you guys, a lot of people in my position would not have posted this one, right? Because uh, there are moments uh, that make me look pretty bad. But um, I did, you know, I I went ahead and posted it anyway. And uh, I think that deserves, uh, you know, lots of handshaking. So anyhow, uh, like I said, very excited about launching this one. So please welcome the very funny John Long. Long, welcome, welcome to the show. Hello, hi Rosanna. Hi. So um, I am going to be asking you some difficult question, as I've just said in the intro, and you have the right to invoke the bruised ego button twice during this interview, or you can choose to have a safe word. Would you? Would you like a safe word? Yeah, I'll go with a safe word. Okay. What what, what safe word would you like to go with? I'll go with peach. Peach. E- easily bruised. So, um, uh, John, could you tell us what brought you to comedy? I was in a band that was, I was a backing band for a a cabaret singer. She was really good. And she used to perform at a lot of kind of Roddy Scott type venues, whether whether it be uh, jazz bands and then maybe a comedian. And the comedians kept uh, pulling out and I used to really love comedy and had written a few songs that I thought were funny. I'm not sure. And uh, I, I said, oh, I can do a bit of that and snuck in that way. Right. So, so pure arrogance, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pure arrogance right, like, your comedy. I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Oh, good for you. So, uh, I mean, most people would know this from knowing you. Um, you bring a, a guitar on stage or you're a musical comedian. Um, now, yeah. is it easier to make people laugh by showing them you can play an instrument? Well, that's always famously funny. Um, people playing instruments as you'll know from going to see music gigs people just can't keep it together yeah it's um it, it, i don't know i think it, I, I have to say music does help i think because it's rhythmic and if something's said in a pleasing rhythm it can give the illusion it's funny i don't think it hurts let's put it that way mm. but let's say you have a joke that perhaps is uh mediocre or, or shall we even say bad and then you play a little bit 
on the guitar, do you think that kind of lifts the catharsis there? It, it can do. I did actually, I asked a comedian who did that once. Should I say his name? No, I won't. I said, uh, how do you do that? Because he does a lot of like one-liners set to music. And he, and he says, well, I write jokes and any jokes that I like but don't work, I just put to music and that seems to make them work. So as much as I'd, I'd say no, apparently it is true. They, mm. they call it the cheating stick guitars. Really? Do they? Yeah. Right. C- certain comedians. Is that what you call your guitar? Have you named your guitar? The cheating stick. I should do, really, as a kind of mm. uh, reappropriate that criticism. Yeah, I should. I'm, I'm, from now on, yes. From now on, it's called the cheating it stick. It is. It hadn't got a name until now. I'm not right. one of those people that calls it like, she's called. Oh, I hate all that. It makes me, creeps me out when people name their cars and stuff. Mm. But mm. the cheating stick, that feels good. Yeah. So how does it feel to do comedy with a guitar? It feels good. It's like a comfort blanket, if I'm honest. Because, mm. you know, because like, you, you, you perform, don't you? Yes, and yes, when I, I do. when I performed without a guitar, I looked a bit like you. You know how awkward you look? I look like that. And I just and I think people could pick up on it. So I hold the guitar and it gives the illusion of confidence. I think you should try it. I. You would look, I, suddenly I, everyone would be like, who's, who's this playful character? Mm. Honestly. Yeah, good good start to the interview. I just love a um, insult the host. <laughs> it's not an insult. I like awkward comedy, but if you wanted to ever go like mainstream, you know what I mean. If I wanted to ever be successful, I should I should get a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll be successful, but in just in your realm, you know. Right. So essentially, I guess my question is: Do you think that part of the reason that you take a guitar on stage is because you look better with a guitar than without a guitar if i could carry my guitar into every aspect of my life i fucking would i'd take it to the co-op at funerals everything i think i look amazing with it so so do you think more doors have opened for you than uh for other less fortunate looking comedians with a guitar no i don't think so i have to say well Listen, there's not, I'm a straight white male. There are very few doors close to me. I, I don't really sure what, what it means to open a door. I just walk around through life and people go, oh, sorry. Like you said, the arrogance about doing comedy. I was just adjacent to comedy and thought, surely I can do that. And they went, well, you can do whatever you like. Especially you've got a guitar. Do people hate you, John? A lot of people hate me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly I myself. Can see, I can see why. <laughs> yeah. No. No. But I'm chief among them, so I can empathise. How much time do you spend on your hair? Very little. Again, it's a blessing about being a, a, um, a straight white male growing up in the era that I did. I was sort of an indie kid, and uh, that whole aesthetic was um, chuck on some skinny jeans, uh, do nothing to your hair, and people will call it a bedhead look. It's um, it's incredibly low maintenance. So you do nothing to look like Oasis. <laughs> nothing. It's natural. It's um, but then Oasis did nothing to look like Oasis. That's the look. Yeah, um, can't help but notice just a hint of arrogance in uh, in your speech there, John. Would you say you're an arrogant man? <laughs> no. Well, again, probably just naturally, but uh, certainly maybe as a defence mechanism. I've never understood about the whole confidence thing. I try to. People say be confident, be confident, and that will help uh, people like confidence. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not very naturally confident, so whenever I shoot for confidence, it does just come out as arrogance so um i go for confidence thinking people will like me and i hit arrogance and everyone 
hates me. Mm. So, so is this like a, a consistent theme throughout your your life? This sort of obsession with making people like you. Um, yeah, oh, well, I'd say it's my life's goal, um, and one mm. that uh, because of uh, listen, n- no workman, you know, it's what they say: a bad workman blames his tools. But um, I'm really not happy with what I was given to work with um, because I just, uh, like I said, think I'm thoroughly unlikable. So I do think that it's it's like trapped in an ever, ever losing battle, really. Take this. Make everyone like you. Everyone hates this. Do your best anyway. Try. Rebrand it. Try some affectations. Have you, have you tried a guitar? Try comedy. That'll work. Fawn over people. Give them lots of compliments. None of it works. Gosh, gosh. Uh, I feel like we need to call a therapist. At the... Is that not what this is? It is, actually. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm not paying you, because it's kind of kind of a bit like therapy. I'm so sorry. I've been, um, I've been, I guess, subconsciously trained by the kind of media I consumed growing up to think that any woman with your accent is a therapist. Uh, what, what accent is that, John? um non-specific West, non-specific non-english european right um i mean it sounds it sounds to me like you uh, you live a very good life i'm imagining you sitting in your sitting room with uh you know sort of a, a huge leaf being um waved at you and, and, and being fed grapes. Is that sort of the, the right visual I've got there? No, I wish. Again, it's just my accent would have you believe that, but it's all really an affectation. The reality is I'm in my living room, which is also my kitchen, which is also my bedroom, and it's in Croydon, hence the uh, reason you had to pause earlier for all of the uh, sirens. And mm. they, I, I grew up in an era where my mother is a bit of a social climber, and she said, said, made me talk like this, kind of with a view to... Listen, all the doors will open for you and then this will be it. But uh, And it was certainly the case, but now all the doors are shutting and it was actually a quite a bad decision of hers to, to make me out like this. Mm. Stop so, uh, so, John, what was your best moment in comedy? Um, I'm not sure really. Oh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I did a show in Edinburgh and it was all about uh, the environment. And uh, Alan Davis, who's quite an um, environmental kind of guy, uh, came to see it and he was one of the people I used to love when I was younger so that was quite a sort of thrilling moment having Jonathan Creek in your front row it's a bit odd so someone you admire came to see the show yeah don't think he liked it mm. but he came then over the course of the hour the crushing realization that it probably wasn't for him was actually probably my, my worst moment in comedy right right so he didn't laugh even once he did, but do you know when people, he laughed, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a bit different to the laugh he does on QI, and then after a while I realised, oh, it's a, that's his polite laugh, isn't it? It's like a pity laugh. Yeah. Mm. Do you remember what it sounded like? Like a dying seal. No, I don't know, I have no idea what a dying seal sounds like. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, it sounded... Oh, it's quite, quite a good one, that. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'll stick with that. Stick with that. Stick with that. What was your worst moment in comedy? Um, I did a gig. I used to do these gigs for uh, people. It was called Comedy for Borders. And at first I thought that was like a cool charity because it sounds a bit like, I don't know, Medicine Sans Frontier or something. But then what I realised it was Borders as in 
the boarding school kids from very, very wealthy boarding schools in this country, some that I didn't even know existed. And there's all, uh, they do a bunch of them and you get shipped in to entertain these rich kids, basically. And they hated me this particular night. Sometimes they're all right, but this was an all boys school, which are typically the worst. And these really, really rich kids just really hated me and everything about me. I think I've made fun of them a bit too much. Anyway, end of the night, I was walking home because I couldn't fucking afford a taxi to the train station on this really dark road. And then this car comes up behind me and slows down. And it's a really big, huge Mitsubishi 4x4. And the screen comes down and it's one of these kids, fucking 17-year-old in a Mitsubishi car. And he just rolled down the window and went, Oi, you are shit. And then drove off into the night. And I had a sort of further 15 minutes to walk to the station. And that walk was was something yeah right so uh what went through your um head in that 15 minute walk i just kept thinking that guy's definitely going to end up being like a politician or whatever it is and um he's gonna like order to get you killed or something for a bad bad night no my mind didn't go there thank you for oh right oh Oh, sorry so where did your mind go well not assassination attempts (laughs) i didn't think i would be that bad um maybe i had what do you think is missing in your act? I don't know, really. Probably could be a bit funnier, <laughs> maybe. Um, I don't have any kind of political message, really. Sometimes people think you have to have that. Um, I probably could be accused of being a bit wishy-washy. Although that's not true. I do a lot of stuff about environmentalism, actually. So, So shut up, critics. Mm. So your comedy is is not making a significant change. No, it is now. I think no, it's not. (laughs) I don't think it's making. I don't think it can really. I'd be very impressed if someone wrote a comedy show that genuinely made a change. Apart from obvious a few examples, but they're like you know one every ten years or something. There's not very many Nanettes, is there? Do you know what I mean? But there are a lot of shit Nanettes. (laughs) People trying to do Nanette. Um, I don't know. I don't think uh, it makes much of a difference. But I try a little bit with the environmental stuff. So I'm not not trying. Mm. Why do you care about the environment? If you care about the environment, people tend to think highly of you. I'm a big believer that every everyone's motives for everything are self-serving and that they only adopt their beliefs to explain them away without sounding like a narcissistic, self-centered piece of shit. Right. Okay. So, so you, you is there something you're... like, for example, do you get is there any topic you care about a lot? Um. What's your number one? If like someone came to you and said, "What's your most passionate, you know, area that you, you would campaign for? What would you protest for? Go to the, take to the streets for? What would I go to the streets for? Uh, Metaphorically, just, maybe. Yeah. Um. Could I campaign for a viral podcast? Is that you can, yeah. Is that all right? Any any particular one? Just yours to go viral. You want to campaign for that? You want to take to the streets? I, I don't think this one's good enough, to be honest with you, John. So, it, Fair enough. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this is why I got I got you on. I was kind of thinking, oh, musical comedy, he'll he'll be all, you know, I'll take I'll he'll take off. Get people on board, but but you you're just sort of an arrogant sort of uh, pretty boy, it turns out. So um didn't you say you had an eye issue recently yeah there you go that'll explain that so um to people with like functioning eyes i think 
I think before my eye issues, I, uh, yeah, I find it difficult to, to look at you. It was a bit like looking at the sun. I just had to look away. Yeah. Too much. I don't know why. Maybe just, yeah, maybe just the, the hair, the oasis hair, you know. I don't know. Too much charm. There's a special glasses, like, like, like an eclipse, there's certain glasses you can wear to look directly at me. Oh really? So I need to buy. But you're only you can only, but you can only do it like once every four or five years. It's on a cycle. Right. Do you do you sort of expense them to people that come to your show, or do they just the council is provide that as a service? Do they? Yeah. Now, John, I've spoken to a few people who, um, you know, be, before I I did this interview uh, mm -hmm. because I didn't know you very well. You know, obviously now we know each other. Intimately, um, a, a bit better. Yeah. Um, but uh, and they all seem to think that you're charming. Why? Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know really. Well, because obviously right now I'm just being a bit more relaxed and me. Mm. But in a second when we start recording, what I'll do is I'll turn on. You'll notice I'll turn on the charm, and I'm a hot. I'm a just a different person. But again, Rosanna, it's, it really is just a stage thing. Oh. But um, actually, I should have talked about because my answers will probably be completely different as well i'll probably talk about the environment from quite a caring way so john what is it about female comedians that makes you date so many of them <laughs> it's too many it's too too many do you find that they competed with you about uh, your hair <laughs> both relationships broke down because of a jealousness around your hair uh, my hair no my hair is not really an issue i think the issue is probably just my personality i'm not gonna lie so yeah just don't don't date comedians mm. well i mean i think if, if you just stop dating them that will be that would be good oh, yeah i have and, and and a whole generation of comedians sighed a big sigh of relief i'm sure mm. now uh, john i think i think you saw me back in 2000 and 15 when i was doing a, a, a heat for the funny uh, women finals are you surprised i didn't win no but that doesn't mean i wasn't upset that you wouldn't win but i mean 10 seconds in it became readily apparent you weren't going to win anything but those... how could, could you just clarify why why that was obvious in the first there's loads of different ways you can become successful in comedy there's loads of different areas that people go into, but everyone that is successful with comedy has a certain something. And that certain something doesn't make an entire room feel uncomfortable at the same time within moments of your presence being alerted to them. Well, um, it's, very, well. it's very rare people manage to turn that into a monetizable skill. Everyone has different skills, John. I think so. But I think mm. yours is such a intrinsic, unassailable aspect of you mm. that it becomes apparent, oh, she's not deliberately making us awkward. Awkwardness follows her around like an ermine cloak. Like a cloud. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I thought, I guess I thought that cloud was impressive, but... Largely, it's nauseating. It's nauseating. Mm. I mean, I like it. Mm. I've always said that. I like you. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. really aware that I'm the minority. Well, I, you know, 
I don't think I need you to like me because you, you, know, you kind of do. Who are you? I mean, not me personally, but people like me. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I find appalling about you, John. Yeah. To be honest, me that's too. Um, you know. Listen, I hate myself as much as you do. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. I mean, I just want to, you know, now that we're still speaking, because obviously, you know, we're still on this interview i just want to let you know that like the next time i see you in a venue i'm, I'm not even going to hold the door door for you so oh yeah. you won't be allowed in the kind of venues i play in well i maybe i will john maybe maybe i'll bake a cake and then they'll let me in yeah get a guitar i mean if i if i do get a guitar i will probably just use it to repeatedly hit you over the head so yeah. yeah, yeah. I won't blame you, to be honest. Why are you not on television yet, John? Um, well, if I tried, I could definitely do it. I just don't want to. Okay, so you you, you uh, choose to. I chose. Live I've chosen. Yeah, I've chosen not to be famous. Quite controversially, mm. but it was definitely a choice. Yeah, not, not my choice. So, John, do you have a five-year plan? Um, no, again, I just live in the moment. You can do that if you're, uh, again, I find that planning in advance is very much a thing you have to do if the world doesn't hand you everything. So I'm one of those people. So I just live for the moment. It's like when people say, don't worry, it's just stuff. Those are people with lots of stuff, typically, I find. So you talk a lot about the world handing you things. What, what, what are we talking? Are we talking sort of cute socks or? Uh, <laughs> yeah, just wherever I go, cute socks. What, what is it you're getting from the world? It, do you know what? It's not so much what I'm getting, it's what I'm not getting. And what I'm not getting is any resistance or friction. Mm. There's so nothing... everyone that sees you is like, yes, we would like you to enter our space. Yeah, they just seem to be of condition to accept that that has to happen. Mm. Uh, well, I guess I have to say yes. It's yeah, because normally people would be walking through the world and various aspects of them, being a woman, bang! lots of drag from that it creates like a lot it's like being in a wind tunnel certain things just create a lot of drag in society boom being disabled a lot of drag you know what i mean boom not be, being working class drag you know not having access to higher education because the lack of funds drag but if well, you thank just, god we've got you then yeah to look yeah well there's certain people up. just slide through like a sort of a privileged dolphin mm. with no drag whatsoever and um look don't hate the dolphin hate the, the wind tunnel that's what I say. Right. I have to admit, dolphins were my favorite animals until you just mentioned them and compared yourself to one. John, what would it take for you to quit comedy? How much time would I give before I gave up? Probably if I don't get it within... Well, you said five-year plan. I guess my five-year plan is in five years, I'm still living in a, the same place. Maybe then I'll quit slash kill myself. Well, we wouldn't want you to kill yourself. You're a yes, you would. Don't, don't lie to me. No, that's you that's would love it. Far. That's going too far, John. I want you to choke on a red velvet cake. That's what I want for like an hour. <laughs> a consecutive hour. <laughs> I still hour. want you to survive. I still want you to survive. <laughs> you I just want me to have PTSD and not be able to eat red velvet cake ever again. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. Every time you see red velvet, you feel sick and you think of me. That's what I want. But for the rest of your life, you're you're fine. I just want you to have that one thing where you are actually genuinely suffering. Okay. Just, just that a, one thing. 
just a choke, just enough to take a little look at myself. I guess my question, are you surprised that you're not more successful? No. Um, no. <laughs> Do you know, it's really funny. I've got a few friends. What's happened is they were clearly, when they started comedy, in, living in a world where straight white males got everything they wanted. And they started on that path. And then we quite rightly have decided, maybe that's not the best idea going forward. Let's diversify. And those people got a bit less opportunities. And they've mistaken that for me not getting my chance. And they've become very bitter. And a lot of them have joined like weird streaming sites and become right-wing comedians. So I'm determined not to go that route and just to embrace my um, obscurity because it's, it's deserved. I mean, John, that was very entertaining, but it wasn't really an answer to the question, was it? Are you surprised you're not more successful? Incredibly surprised. Every day I wake up and say, why the fuck have I not got my own Channel 4 show by now? Okay, great, great. I mean, yeah, you know, just I'm glad you were honest there. Right. Thanks very much, John Long. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Rosanna. See you. Um, well, bye. <laughs>